let your dream a dream. But a dream without action is nothing more than a nightmare wasted potential. Come here, seven-year NFL veteran Steve Grant at the 14th annual RUC Fundraising Banquet. The theme this year is Choosing to Win. Join us for this special evening at the Villa Milano on March 10th. Festivities begin at 6, followed by dinner at 6.30, and then the program at 7 p.m. Make your reservations today at RelationshipsUnderConstruction.com. God, government, and governance. Do definitions really matter? Find out this week on another episode of Principles and Policies. Hello, my name is Chuck Michaelis. I'm the chairman of the Institute for Principled Policy. And uh, I am flying solo again this week because my brother Barry Sheets is having some some issues. Um, he, he just did not feel up to spending an hour recording a program. Um, and as a bookkeeping measure, uh, he is still undergoing treatment for cancer. Um, we won't know uh, exactly how well that treatment is working for. It'll be a while. It'll be a while before we know that. Um, cause he has to have another scan, but they can't do the scan or they could, but they're not going to do a scan until he finishes up his current round of immunotherapy. Uh, he, he explained all this last week. If you want to, uh, uh, we, we got an update from him last week on the, on the program. Um, and you can find that update at www.principledpolicy.com. That's principledpolicy.com. Uh, we're also on Facebook. Uh, we're at the uh, um, the Institute for Principled Policy page. Uh, the uh, The Institute has its own uh, Facebook page, so you can go out there and find out what's happening um, uh, by listening to the radio show. We don't write as much as we used to, and we want to start doing that again. But it's a matter of time, and as all of you know, if if you own your own business as Barry and I both do. Um, time seems to disappear. Um, we don't like it. Nobody likes it. Uh, love, like to have much more leisure time. But then again, I find when I have leisure time, I waste it. So it's better to be busy all the time. Uh, it does, um, um, eat up things that you really like to do with things that you'd rather not do, but there are duties that must be performed. And that's part of what we're talking about this week, of course, is uh, government again, um, that I could go on and on and on. I, I, I could make this a multi-part series, which I probably will, but this is part three of God, government and governance. Um, by the way, this is the program for February 4th, 2023, just to keep that little bookkeeping item um, at the forefront. So you know that when I run this again sometime, when Barry and I are unavailable to do a broadcast together and uh, we're short of time, we sometimes we run reruns. We explain that, and uh, that's so you can tell when it's from. Um, w- will we talk about some contemporary issues? Yeah, I'll probably get there. But today we're talking about God, government, and governance again. And uh, before we go into that, I have another bookkeeping item I need to uh, take care of. Last week, we talked extensively about the Relationships Under Construction Banquet, and I insisted it was on March 12th. Well, it can't be on March 12th. That's a Sunday. 
It's on March 10th. Now, if you listen to the advertisement that was embedded both today at the beginning, and there will be another one at the end of this program, uh, and if you've listened to WLRY, um, and they've embedded some of the ads uh, into uh, um, in, into their programming, um, the correct date is on there. That's March 10th, and it's at the Villa Milano. And as I explained before, uh, you can register for this event at uh, www.relationshipsunderconstruction.com and go to the events uh, choice and uh, um, you can register for the banquet there and I think you can request to sit at my table. Now if I get more requests I'll run another table. Um, uh, we still don't know if Barry's going to come. Chances are it's, he's not going to be there this year. He's uh, He's been far too ill. He's in. He, he, his main problem right now is pain. So be in prayer for him for his treatment and for pain he's he's undergoing. Uh, he has lost a tremendous amount of weight, which is a good thing if you know Barry. He he, uh, like me, could stand could have stood to lose a little weight. He looks really good actually. Um, me on the other hand, I'm still carrying around about fifteen or twenty extra, and I would like to get rid of that as well. But. Back to relationships under construction, folks. We really need you uh, to be part of this effort. A as you're aware, one of the thing, one of the sections of government has gotten completely out of control is education. And is it part of the government? Yes, it is. Who is you know? If we if we ask a question, who's supposed to be in charge of your children's education? Well, you are, and normally. In times past, you have been uh, through the auspices of a board of education. The board of education is the governing arm that you elect to run your schools. Uh, little by little by little, since especially since the uh, um, the creation of the Department of Education, really the uh, and. Uh, uh, um, the emphasis on education at the state, which is not necessarily a bad thing, but the state and the federal government have been wresting control of local school districts away from um, from you, really, through the auspices of your school board and turning it over to bureaucrats. Department of Education in Ohio, uh, the Ohio Education Association, which is the teachers' uh, lobby and union, and uh, the Federal Department of Education. Um, how do you combat that? Well, until you can take control back of your local um, school school board and school district, which you should be working to do, um, until you can do that, you need to have someone who will uh, intercede on in, in different areas for you. Uh, not necessarily in your place, but as a representative of you. One of the things we've been talking about in government is representation. Um, so um, that's what relationships under construction does. It comes in and teaches a a sane uh, sexual risk avoidance 
um, system. Uh, it's not like Planned Parenthood does sexual risk reduction. We do sexual risk avoidance. How, what's the only way to avoid pregnancy and disease in a relationship? It's really not to engage in, in that relationship with multiple partners, which is what's being encouraged by other educational systems, but to avoid uh, being involved with a sexual partner until you're married to them. In other words, be virgin when you get married. That is what we teach. Because, and we teach it on a st statistical basis because that's the only way to really prove that your system works. We And we have statistical um, analysis, which you can find out about at the Relationships Under Construction banquet, banquet, to prove those things. We can prove that our system works uh, through commentary, through reductions of pregnancies in uh, school districts where we are. We have those statistics all over the place. But we need your help. We are a privately funded, uh, in large part, privately funded educational organization. Do we get grant money? Yes, we do, on the basis of our success. But we still need your input and your help. Um, that's why we have this banquet. We have it annually. Uh, the only time we didn't have it was in, uh, let's see, we had it in 20. We did not have one in 21. We did have one in 22. So the only year we missed was 21. And why did we miss it? Well, you basically, if you recall, 2021, uh, all these venues were closed. Uh, the Villa Milano was closed. We tried to see if we could find something, and essentially it was impossible. We couldn't find a venue that would do the job. Am I being correct? No, I think we did do one in 21. I think we did it at um, Genoa Baptist Church. We had a fundraiser, and it was small, uh, and we, we eked by. And uh, we actually uh, um, did very well. Nonetheless, uh, we need your help. March 10th. Let me get the date correct this time. March 10th. Villa Milano in Westerville. Schrock Road. If you've never been there, the food is excellent. And uh, when you're registering, you can register for either lasagna, which I recommend unless you're gluten-free, in which case get the chicken, and you will be impressed with both those meals. Uh, but it's not about impressing you with the meals. We want to impress you with what it is we're doing on your behalf. And that's the important part. Please come out to uh, uh, Villa Milano on March 10th. Register at relationshipsunderconstruction.com. That's one big word, relationshipsunderconstruction.com. And uh, uh, come be with us for our banquet. Uh, we need you, uh, and hopefully we're doing something that is useful to you, either for your children, your grandchildren, or the children you don't have yet because we're not planning on going anywhere. Uh, we're going to be around for a long time combating the uh, the activity of those who would uh, uh, who would 
essentially ruin your children by teaching them things that are just completely out beyond the pale, uh, biblically. Um, and that's part of the, the ritual is to, uh, um, steal your children with, uh, uh, promises of, uh, sexual gratification. And, um, um, it, as we all know, sexual gratification is a strong drive. And what we are trying to instill in young people is self-governance, which is something we've been talking about on this program now for the last two episodes. And now we're going to talk about, at least in part, in the third episode. Um, so March 10th, Villa Milano, uh, I believe dinner's at 6.30. There's a, there's a pre, uh, there's an auction and some of the, uh, uh, pre-activity stuff uh there will be booths there with their radio stations and colleges and things so please come out and join us at villa milano march 10th 6 30 um we 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 really would uh, like you to be there relationships under construction.com that's relationships under construction.com Okay, well, we've been talking about governance and God and and how these things all work. Um, and um, essentially, what we talked about the first two, we we talked about uh, uh, elements of government, and I'll kind of want to review those because we'll I'll review those from time to time because it's such an important part of uh, this discussion on on god and governments you know the five elements of government that we want to be there that has to be there for it to be legitimate for the government to be considered legitimate and for you to be able to evaluate whether that government is legitimate or not now if you remember those five things that we talked about were sovereignty in other words the the uh power to rule and we talked about the fact that sovereignty is limited if you have if you i own a company and i rule over it if i come out come out and say because i rule over my company then i get to rule over my local government in the same type of capacity that's just simply wrong. I don't have the sovereignty. I have not been given any authority. And that's a key word, authority. I have no authority to rule over my um, my local government. Why? Well, God hasn't given it to me. If I were to choose to go through the methodology to get a authority to rule over the local government, even that is limited. All authority except God's is limited. God has broken it up into pieces to keep a to keep us from feeling uh, like we're we're Him. We don't He He does not want us to attempt to usurp His His authority and His position. But what's the first thing that man thinks? Man thinks that he can do that. We have a number of world leaders who are convinced that they are godlike uh, entities. Uh, Kim Il Sung. Uh, uh, we have a number of tin pot dictators in uh, uh, South America, in um, 
Europe, in Asia, in Africa. Um, it, they're all over the place. And they believe themselves to be godlike creatures. That they have full and unlimited authority. That, that is false. So sovereignty is the authority to rule in a limited fashion. Okay, then you have representation. Representation means that you are rep representing God to your those under your authority, and you are representing those under your authority to God. All right? You have been given this sovereignty, and you must do it in a representative fashion. Now, what does that mean? Do you Does that mean you should be familiar with God's Word so you know what the limits on on your authority and how you would represent God? If you don't understand God, how can you represent God to your uh, those under your authority to rule? If you don't understand God, how can you uh, go to God with the representation of your um, of them to God? How would you even communicate with God if you don't understand what it is that God wants to hear and what it is that God is trying to do in this situation? So you have to be have an education and understand how the sovereignty of God works um, and your, your limited sovereignty under him. Okay, the next section is law. What law? Well... We all are under some form of law. Uh, if, if you're libertarian-minded, you may hate that. You want to be free to do whatever you want to do whenever you want to do it, and yet you find that you're still under some form of law. Why? Well, you sleep at night, You and that that's a natural law. You have to have sleep. Uh, you eat during the day or, or at night, depending on when you're awake. Um, you know, uh, there are natural laws, there are God-given laws, which are natural, but true God-given laws are laws for our behavior, okay? And from that, we are supposed to determine laws for society. So even if we don't like law, even if we are rebellious spirits, we still operate under the law no matter what. So, the elements of government include law. And law, I always, you know, I hear someone referred to as a lawmaker. Do they really make law? Well, when they do make law, it usually means they're separating from what God has in mind for law. Is it, if, they're, if they're coming up with laws just off the top of their head, it's usually tyrannical, and it's usually... Uh, completely designed to uh, centralize authority and hopefully with them at the, at the top of the uh, of the authority chain. Uh, again, this is that sovereignty and representation. They forget what they're supposed to be representing sometimes when they make law. Um, when when laws are made, it is supposed to be in compliance with God's law. Now, 
that raises questions that people, oh my gosh, you don't, you want, you really think law, God's law should be the basis for law? Who else's law should be the basis for law? It's, it's really kind of a, a non-question. Who else's law would we use as the basis for law other than God's? It doesn't make any, that question actually doesn't make any sense. Well, God's law doesn't have anything to do with our modern condition. It's, it's an, it's, all you're talking about is implementing an old book. There's nothing in the Bible that doesn't speak to modern, uh, issues and problems and, um, legalities and illegalities. There's absolutely nothing in there that doesn't cover that. Um, what we're supposed to be doing is how to apply God's law to modern society. A period. How do you think we got, for instance, when uh, the Supreme Court suddenly decided uh, in its infinite wisdom, uh, being in quotes, infinite wisdom, that uh, they didn't really understand when life began, and therefore, because they didn't understand when life began, it, we were allowed to uh, uh, murder and dismember infants in the womb and sell the parts. And Now, that wasn't part of the Supreme, Supreme Court decision, but it's a, it's a logical uh, extension. Um, when Planned Parenthood got caught doing that, um, and uh, corporations got caught, you know, buying those parts to to make this, that, or another thing. That's a logical extension of Roe v. Wade. And the fact is that uh, um, anybody who said they didn't really understand when life began really had to have flunked uh, high school biology. Because we all know um, that once the two halves of the DNA from the mother and the father meet, um, the, uh, uh, the, the infant, the developing infant has its own, um, DNA. It's unique and distinct. Uh, then therefore it stops being part of the mother's body, which it was when it was just an egg and just, just a sperm. And it now is a unique individual with a, a completely unique DNA, a completely unique, uh, set of instructions on what uh, the child will become. A lot of its personality is set by the DNA. A lot of its, uh, all, virtually all of its physical characteristics, whether it have blonde, blonde hair, brown hair, red hair, uh, blue eyes, green eyes, uh, brown eyes, all that set by God, who is in control of the uh, recombination. Uh, how can a government entity come in and say, no, um, our job is to protect life except for this unborn child. That is where you run into trouble when you make law that's outside God's law. And suddenly 60 million dead babies later, the Supreme Court says, oh gosh, uh, that seems to have been a mistake. Uh, we're going to turn it back over to the states where it was before uh, regarding abortion. Um, so laws uh, that don't have a uh, concrete foundation of God's word can change and change drastically. Do laws have to change sometimes to, to meet uh, 
um, modern requirements. Oh, are you kidding? Can you imagine having a 70 mile an hour speed limit on a dirt road with a horse drawn carriage? Um, first of all, there ain't no horse that can get to 70 miles an hour. Uh, second of all, uh, the, the, the idea that you would even need such a thing would never enter the mind of people. People, when the railroads first came and they talked about doing, being able to do 25 or 30 miles an hour, people thought that they might not be able to survive that speed. I'm talking literally and tried to pass laws. Uh, at one point there was talk of being, uh, trains being able to go 60 miles an hour and people tried to pass laws to keep that from happening because they said human beings cannot survive 60 miles an hour. Well, obviously human beings can survive 60 miles an hour. <laughs> um, it's, it, um, we know that we know what the physical limits are. For instance, we know that sometimes, uh, when fighter pilots are doing, uh, rapid turns that they're pulling multiple G's. Now, what does that mean? A G has to do with the natural law of gravity. And when I say multiple G's, they're actually feeling a pressure on their body because of other natural laws. They're feeling a pressure on their body comparative to uh, um, the pull of gravity on us. We, we don't feel the pull of gravity uh, unless we fall out of bed or unless we fall down or, uh, you know, uh, jump off a, uh, a ladder. You don't really feel the pull of gravity. It feels normal. Well, when you double it, you know it. You've all ridden a ride at uh, an amusement park. You, you've pulled multiple G's, more than one G uh, by, and you felt weightless too. When when you get up on a fast roller coaster and you get up at the top and you feel yourself come off your seat, you are actually feeling negative G's. In other words, you are, are being accelerated away from that uh, physical law. You're being accelerated away from the center of gravity. And when you hit a trough or you hit a curve where you're being accelerated in different directions, what happens is you feel multiple G's. You, you can feel that pull. And, and what, what all this means is that there are laws that simply can't be violated. We, we could pass laws eliminating the law of gravity, right? We could say, nope. There is no more law of gravity. We don't recognize it anymore, and therefore we can uh, go around weightless. Can that happen? No. But why? Because that's a permanent, that's a God-given law. It, it, man-made law cannot supersede that, um, and you cannot supersede the fact that an infant is a human being, and a, a developing infant is a human being, by simply passing a law and saying it's not a person. Now, we've had personhood legislation to try to catch up with these definitions, uh, try to assign personhood, uh, which we know exists, uh, to an unborn infant. There's no denying that an unborn infant isn't. You cannot deny that that is a person. And, of course, it's a person. Um, the fact that it may not reach the end of its development. 
Whose hand is that in? That's in the hands of God. It's not supposed to be in the hands of man. Um, and uh, there are are there instances where a uh, a developing infant could possibly uh, become a major problem? Yeah, an ectopic pregnancy and that you know tubules and that kind of thing that can be, become a problem. Here's the deal, though. What what you're not told is virtually all by the time an ectopic pregnancy is found, it's almost always the infant has already died because it's not the place where God intended for them to grow and develop. Uh, there's limited blood supply. They can't they can't establish what they need. They can't put a placenta in there, and they will die. And the pregnancy will then be, uh, it's really over, but it will be reduced surgically so that it doesn't damage or kill the, the mother. That's not an abortion. That is an attempt to uh, supply treatment to both uh, child and mother, and the child dies. That's not an abortion. Anytime that happens. Now, can uh, ectopic pregnancies happen inside the cavity of the abdomen? Yes. And are they survivable? Yes, with the proper treatment. Uh, I'm acquainted with a doctor who specialized in that uh, delivering abdominal implantations. Um, and he would deliver full-term babies, uh, generally by C-section, um, and uh, because obviously they have no access to the birth canal, so they have to be developed. But they that that is a survivable condition. Um, and that being said, it is a uh, an acknowledgement of the humanity of the infant that that is even tried. That is even tried, uh, and the beauty of God's technology, which He gave not to kill the infant not in order to kill the infant, but in order for us to have infants that live to survivability. Uh, in, in days past, if that happened to a woman, she would die and the baby would die. We fully acknowledge that. Whose hand was that in? That was always in the hands of God. Always, 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 always. And to say anything different is simply uh, foolish. Um, and uh, foolish in the biblical sense. Uh, so keep that in mind. Law is part of a system of legitimate governance along with sovereignty to rule and representation. You got to have law or you have no government at all. No law means no government. It means anarchy. And what that generally means is the law of uh, tooth and claw takes hold and in, and if you'll notice I said law because there is a law in that there is a form of order what what is the form it's a brutal form where the strongest come in and overtake the weakest and impose their will that's not the kind of law that we're looking for we're looking for a law to keep that particular law in check that is the purpose of legitimate government is to keep the law of tooth and claw in check. Does it require force sometimes? Yeah, that's the whole point. 
when somebody goes in and robs a bank and wants to shoot up the place and take hostages, the government entities that are there to enforce the law have to have enough force to be able to keep that from happening or to prevent it going on further, which is why uh, when there's a serial killer, when there's a, a group of bank robberies, all these things, when those things happen, what happens? The government forms task forces to stop it. Why? That's their legitimate role in government. Okay. Now that we've beaten law to death, um, let's go to um, jurisdiction. And we've, again, we've talked about this. If uh, somebody from the Department of Education goes over to the Department of Energy and says, hey, you guys aren't doing a great job, we're going to take over. Can they do that? No, they can't. Why? Because that's not their jurisdictional authority. They don't have sovereignty in that area. They don't have representation in that area and they don't have law in that area therefore they can't have jurisdiction in that area sometimes we have people that assume jurisdiction um you get that a lot in in government agencies who will assume jurisdictions that actually belong to local governments it happens at the state level uh we don't like the way you're running your township and the county will try to step in. Sometimes the county doesn't. And the state will try to step in and say, well, you're going to run it this way from now on. Now, can they pass laws? Yes, but Ohio has a nice protection in their constitution called home rule. Um, other states may not have that. Uh, but we have it in home rule uh, where basically our right to uh, govern ourselves locally is protected by the state government. Does the state government sometimes want to come in and usurp that authority? Oh, you bet they do. Uh, I have it on good authority. That's uh, kind of what's going on in, uh, if you're familiar with what's happening in uh, eastern uh, suburbs of Columbus, uh, Intel and Amazon and several other places are coming in to a little township called Jersey Township. And Jersey Township is very small, very rural. It's very farm community. Uh, and all of a sudden, in the what used to be farm fields are popping up these big plants to make uh, chips and warehouse books and things that Amazon is shipping. And other companies are coming in. I, I, I just saw Ashley Furniture build a big warehouse in what used to be cornfields. Um they're they're all they're all over the place in uh, in Jersey Township, and Jersey Township's having some issues. There are a lot of people who are very angry who who built homes and bought property, who are suddenly seeing things, uh, their taxes go up, their the their uh, roads that were formerly quiet are uh, now being traveled by eighteen uh, wheel rigs. Uh, there's construction all around them, and they're not happy. So that we go through those kinds of things, and it's all based on jurisdiction. Uh, Jersey Township would like to slow the growth, um, and not just Jersey. Other townships that are that are peripheral to it uh, would like to slow the growth. And the state is saying, no, 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 no. Why? It's about tax money, folks. 
It's about taxes. Now, will Jersey essentially be able to um, eventually collect more taxes? Yeah, if they're still an entity, really. What what happens is a lot of times to get things like that to come into the state in order to get access to the income tax. This is one of the problems with, with uh, reliance on income tax. In order to get the income tax, they will uh, abate property taxes. And what does that mean? They put them off to the future. They don't uh, allow you to, they just tell you, you don't have to pay taxes, property taxes in this area or any kind of assessment like that for five years or 10 years or, or whatever. Uh, they will uh, um, come up with a, a number. Okay, fine, but what does that do? Well, it, it strips local authority who has jurisdiction in that area. It strips them of their jurisdiction. And that's a major problem that we have. And it's all based on access to income tax because they want to bring in the employees so they can get that that income tax. And then when it comes time to get reelected, they beat themselves on the breast and say, look, we brought all these jobs to Ohio. Well, what'd you do? You force farmer off their, farmers off their land, which we need to uh, grow food to, that we can eat, and you stripped uh, jurisdictional authority away from the local governances. And sometimes, uh, to make that up, they'll they'll give a subsidy to local governances. But it, it's a, it, it you know it, it's sort of like uh, we're taking away your right to rule. Here here's some money. Well. That's not a uh, a great proposition. Um, you know, sit down, shut up, and just wait, and and uh, um, uh, we'll give you some money until that point. Okay, so we we jurisdictional things go on all the time. Uh, your church can't come in and uh, uh, suddenly run your township or your your local governance. Uh, you have places where that is attempted. Uh, Clearwater, Florida has issues. Um, there is a constant battle going on in Clearwater, Florida. I don't know if you know this or not. Maybe you do. The Church of Scientology, which is no church at all. It's a cult, and it's a bad news cult. Essentially set up shop in Clearwater, Florida, and more or less, if you hear some noises in the background, uh, I have a companion today. I have my dog down here, a little bourbon. Bourbon, is he gets excited when uh, he hears things outside, so... Uh, I'll do my best to cut it all out. But uh, in any in any case, Clearwater, Florida, the cult runs the town in a lot of ways. They, they have a huge chest of money. The locals don't care for it all that much. The problem is that, again, with this jurisdictional authority, they can come in and manipulate elections and uh, bring a lot of money into the town and therefore... When you can bring a lot of money into the town, you have influence over lawmakers. Why? Because they want the money to run their town, to keep things nice. Um, you can get you can get uh, seduced by that, and uh, um, that is uh, one of the issues. As sinful men, there's supposed to be law that restricts that kind of activity. Now, the first thing that uh, lawmakers very often want to do 
uh, is exempt themselves from <laughs> some of these laws that are designed to uh, 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 control the behavior of others. And uh, we see that in the U.S. Congress all the time. Um, you know, uh, uh, they uh, there was a thing recently where a law was made about repaying student loans and everybody had to do it except the offspring of um, senators and congressmen. They wrote a clause into the law. Well, this is the kind of thing that drive, drives people nuts, and a lot of times you don't know about it. Um, so jurisdictional authority has limits. And again, we go back to sovereignty, representation, law, and law is supposed to limit, in part, jurisdiction, and it's supposed to limit, uh, but it gives the jurisdictional authorities some uh, power that they need to keep corporations and uh, uh, people and other entities in some form of order. It's supposed to maintain order. You, you have jurisdictional authority to rule to maintain order. And um, um, that, that's an absolute important piece of this five-piece puzzle. And the last piece is continuity. What does continuity mean? It, it means that, uh, for instance... Um, you know that these things are going to be uh, continuous. In other words, that you'll be able to rely on them to be there today, tomorrow, and in the future. And what's the purpose of continuity? It's to let people know. It's to, again, represent God because God is permanent. And therefore, some of these laws are permanent. Now, like we said, they have to evolve. Again, with our 70-mile-an-hour speed limit with horse and buggy. Doesn't make any sense in 1895. 70-mile-an-hour speed limit with the roads that we have and the equipment that we have and the safety that we have built into the equipment makes perfect sense today. Does that mean there are no more fatalities? Because, you know... Uh, you know, we have all the this safety equipment and these laws and things to protect things. No. I mean, people still get killed uh, on the highway. What usually happens? It's usually someone who's uh, disobeying the law. Um, and it gets out of hand and, and uh, you know, drives all over the place and does this, that, and another thing. And does it dangerously. Okay, what's the continuity in that? Well, the law changed between 1895 and, and today. Yeah, it did. Why? Because things changed. Did the general equity of the law change? No, it's still there to provide safety. That's continuity. Sometimes laws have to change. But they don't change in their equity. And now what do I mean by equity? It's a term that's getting thrown around all over the place these days. Equity simply means the compliance with the the spirit of God's law. That's and, and the law the law in general the spirit of the law. That's how you maintain continuity in a changing environment. You design the law. Say okay, we know what this law was for. It's obsolete. It doesn't meet 
the modern criteria. You have to be very careful in this area. Because you can say, well, we're different people than we were. We're no different. We're, man has been the same since the fall. And that's the whole point. We still have laws against murder, except murdering the unborn in many states. And still in Ohio, unfortunately, you can still murder your baby uh, under, under the correct uh, parameters. It's limited, but you can still do it. Um, that's continuity. You change the law to maintain the spirit of the law, the purpose of the law, but you adapt it to modern principles. That's continuity. It's also, for instance, uh, we'll talk about the different types of uh, government starting uh, today. Uh, we'll talk about the certain the, the types. Hopefully we'll start today. Uh, we're already 45 minutes into this. Um, and, uh, I, I haven't gotten there yet, <laughs> but I think this is important enough that we need to understand these rules. Uh, and we need, for instance, to, uh, as we'll get into the origin and development of law, uh, we need to understand it from, from this basis that it's all about these five elements Sovereignty, representation, law, jurisdiction, and continuity. And it's using the definitions that we talked about under when we talked about Webster's Dictionary versus Modern Dictionary. What's the whole purpose between redefining the words? Well, sometimes words just evolve. Um, you know, I, th that's a word nobody likes. Uh, I have a, I have an acquaintance who is a linguist and she and I have talked about this, um, with our pastor, uh, that, uh, you know, uh, a statement was made that, uh, um, our, uh, our culture is dying. And I said, no, it's not dying. Parts of it that we want to maintain are dying. Well, what's happening is our culture is evolving into something else now is it evolving on its own or is it evolving uh, through the actions of uh, individuals who want to force it to evolve in a specific direction and this person who's, who's a linguist uh, basically said you're right uh, cultures don't die they become something else Just as the old Roman culture didn't die, it became the medieval Christian culture, at least in the areas of the jurisdiction of the, that the old Roman Empire had, um, until Islam came along, and the Christian culture didn't die there. It evolved into a Muslim culture in North Africa, parts of, the, of what they're called the Levant, right along the uh, Mediterranean. No, how did, how did it evolve? It evolved by force. Uh, the, uh, uh, the conquering Muslims came in and didn't necessarily force people to convert.
But what they did was it made it so impossible for them to continue continue to survive as Christians by paying taxes, by taking their children from them, and, and educating them in public, publicly run Muslim schools. What do you suppose kids came out of those publicly run Muslim schools in in the seven eight hundreds nine hundreds one thousands? What what happened to those Christian kids? They came out and they were Muslims because they they saw the advantage was to convert to Islam, so their Christian parents were unable to keep them in the fold. That's kind of what we're talking about here. It's that continuity issue. Uh, God, for whatever reason, decided that uh, Islam at that point had to be um, become a force in that part of the uh, the world. And in Roman governments, again, the old Roman um, the old Roman cultures melded into this Christian culture, and then as it spread through Northern Europe, you got Gothic culture. Uh, not modern Gothic culture. <laughs> so, you know, kids weren't uh, putting on black eyeshadow and black clothes and um, listening to really bad music. Um, no, what was happening was that the old uh, pagan Germanic uh, and uh, other uh, cultures, um, Celtic culture and all that, uh, converted to Christian culture. And what did they do? They adopted the the Christ, parts of the Christian uh, culture, adapted it to their existing culture, which automatically changed the culture. But folks, if you don't think that a strong Christian faith, I, I, I'm, I'm speaking to people who really believe in, in the idea that we're not supposed to affect culture. You bet we are. We're supposed to affect culture. If it hadn't been for Christian culture, uh, pagan pagans would still be running things, and we're back to pagans running things. Unfortunately, why is that? Because Christians forgot that they were supposed to be a force in culture. Um, we adapted to uh, um, existing culture. You know, we we adapted to the pagan culture. We're busy adopting that. And, and then trying to say, if you'll see Christian leaders saying, well, uh, we need to adopt the pagan culture to make sure that the pagans come to our churches. And if we get them in the churches, then we can save them. And, it, it, um, and then uh, uh, we'll just uh, uh, meld that culture in with ours, and, and that's called syncretism, by the way. When you adopt a false practice, false cultural practice into your church, there are things that can be adopted, and there are things that should be kept out. That's called syncretism. When you bring in a false belief and mix it with Orthodox Christianity, you get a syncretized Christianity, which isn't Christianity at all. And that's part of the problem we face now. Our continuity is in danger. That's exactly what I'm saying, why I'm bringing this up when we're talking about continuity. Our continuity is in danger. Why? Because we don't recognize the fact that there are certain parts of our culture, our Christian culture, we cannot compromise on. And that is the biblical orthodox faith. You can't compromise on that and maintain Christianity. 
this why if you shake your head and wonder you know why are people doing this why you know i don't understand well what's happening is we're dropping down uh we're opening the gate wide and letting the fences get trampled so we can get numbers into the church now some of it has a noble uh reason if we get them in the church we can convert them and then then they'll completely uh, understand and and come over to our way of thinking that's not the way this works if you're in a church that's the first thing to do when someone new comes into church is you try to plug them into a board or a committee you're making a major mistake you'd better examine them to make sure that they are actually orthodox christians then you put them on a board or a committee i've i've seen people in uh, uh, now uh, our our particular form of government again this is continuity issue our particular form of government where i am is presbyterian which means uh congregants members of the church elect an elder to rule over them and deacons to uh, serve them and uh then uh we, we are required to implement god's law in the church as elders okay i've heard people actually proposing that we bring in people who are brand new to the faith and brand new to the church and um, give them a little this or that or another thing training um, and getting them on the the elder board to to make them uh, on the session. Or if you're uh, uh, a reformed, reformed church, uh, I can't ever remember classes and uh, consistory um, are, are the rough equivalents of a of a elders and presbyteries. Um, <clears throat> with that being said, you can't bring those individuals in and do that. You have to vet them to see if they're actually Orthodox Christians. This is a major mistake that's being made in in in. Uh, in I can remember being in a church where the first thing they wanted to do, let's plug them in. Let's get them on a board or a committee. And some people would come in and would suggest just the wildest stuff. And it's like, you've given them jurisdictional authority in your church and you didn't vet them first. This is why churches are changing so fast. Um, in, in many cases is because we're not looking in terms of continuity. We're looking in terms of attempting to, uh, get people in who don't understand how government specifically self-government, family government and church government are supposed to work. Remember, I'm kind of treating that as a separate thing. Civil government uh is under the is really operates when uh self government family government and church governments work correctly that's when civil government works correctly why because everyone understands the jurisdictional authority of everyone else in the system it's a machine and there are all these cogs are in there and if we don't understand sovereignty, the authority to rule, representation, who exactly do we represent to the people and what people do we represent to 
the reporting authority, right? Through our sovereignty given to us by this reporting authority. All right, so it's God. If we don't understand law, and believe me, folks, a lot of people really don't understand law. They definitely don't understand God's law. If we don't understand jurisdiction, the limits of our authority, and who we, who and where it is we're supposed to rule, we can't have continuity. Because it's chaos. And that's what's happening in the modern church. A great deal of chaos. We've just touched the four jurisdictional forms of government. Self. And people think, well, that's not government. Yes, it is. Self-governance is government under God's authority. It's family. It's church. And it's civil. All those things. That is exactly what we're talking about. How those mesh and work together. If we have that machine, that thing with really five cogs, God is the overall machine. And I, I don't like to put it in those terms, but God is the ruler. He's the one. He doesn't require us. He doesn't require those governments to be able to work. Maybe a better analogy would be God is the operator of the device. We're the pieces inside that work the machine. All those cogs, and we're a part of each one of those cogs. Each one of us has a role to play in each one of those cogs. We all have a role to play in self-government, obviously. We all have a role to play in church government. We all have a role to play in family government, and we all have a role to play in civil government. So if you think the civil government is there for you to just sort of do the blind watchmaker thing where you wind the machine up, God winds the machine up and then sits back and lets it all operate. That's not the way that works. We all have a function to play in civil government, and it's not just voting. And it's not just voting only on presidential elections. And it's not just voting on skipping the primary or voting when you feel like it. It's being heavily involved in understanding what your representation is doing. It's being heavily involved at all levels, knowing how you're supposed to govern yourself, knowing how you're supposed to govern your family, knowing how you're supposed to govern your church, and knowing how your government your civil government is supposed to work and how it's supposed to govern you and how you're supposed to govern them. This is a very important thing to keep in mind. Okay, we're about out of time for the day. I, I always think I'm not going to have enough material and I always end up having too much. So I didn't get where I wanted to go today. What else is new? Again, join us, relationshipsunderconstruction.com, relationshipsunderconstruction.com. March 10th, Villa Milano. Get it on your calendar. Register. Come. Uh, if you want to, you can request to be at my table. In any case, relationshipsunderconstruction.com. And pray for our brother Barry, who's continuing to go under treatment for cancer. And you know what we think. We want to know what you think. www.principledpolicy.com. That's principledpolicy.com. And join us again next week, hopefully, for another Principles and Policies. 
dare to dream a dream. But a dream without action is nothing more than a nightmare wasted potential. Come here, seven-year NFL veteran Steve Grant at the 14th annual RUC Fundraising Banquet. The theme this year is Choosing to Win. Join us for this special evening at the Villa Milano on March 10th. Festivities begin at 6, followed by dinner at 6.30, and then the program at 7 p.m. Make your reservations today at RelationshipsUnderConstruction.com. 